in business, you create positions and then you hire the best fit for that position. And you really just do a lot of communication to make sure we're all on the same page. I think that's the biggest thing. In terms of our space, it has become more competitive. And to me, it's a lot of getting the product right and getting the marketing right and having the right messaging and connecting with the customer, solving their problems and having a more of a unique selling proposition to where they make that emotional connection to you and not only want to purchase your product, but want to talk about your product. To me, that's the fun part of all of this. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. How's it going, folks? Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor, and today I'm joined by Peter Mann, who is the founder and CEO of Aransi. Peter, how's it going today? It's going great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I appreciate getting to chat with you. I was intrigued by your business, and at the time we had booked it some weeks ago. You're in the business of doing air cleaning machines, and right now the world is covered by smoke from all over the world. And I just was interested in hearing about your journey as a leader, as an individual, what it's like expanding into this market post-COVID, air quotes. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to our conversation. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Aransi and about you, and then we'll get into the interview. Sure. Yeah. So I started Aransi in in 2009. And really my interest in air purifiers and air cleaning was because my son struggled with asthma as an infant. And I wanted to make products to clean the air to make his life better and people like, like him better. And over the last 14 years, we've designed and have made a number of different air purifier products. Our focus has been on the U.S. Canadian market, mostly for consumers. And COVID really changed things in terms of the market just blew up and need to clean the air of viruses and are in the process of reshoring manufacturing, which is a whole new process. Late summer, we're going to start to introduce products from the U.S. to really differentiate ourselves and get better control over our supply chain. Going back a little bit, if you went back 30 years or 25 years, I never would have really thought I would have been an entrepreneur. <laughs> I went to college, I have more of a math statistics degree, and then I went to college and got a master's in industrial engineering. But I went into the Navy out of college, you know, went to the Middle East, and that was pretty interesting. It wasn't something I anticipated <laughs> happening in that sense. And from there, I worked at two Fortune 100 tech companies, Tech Data and Dell, which is really where I got my on-the-job MBA-type experience of how businesses work. And then in early 2000s, during the dot-com bubble burst, that was my wish to start a business. And I co-founded an e-commerce business in 2002 that I sold in 2009 to start the Aransi business. That's not quite the yeah. journey. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that you learn from those two students at Fortune 100. And then also as a successful exit founder, how has the unexpected CEO journey been for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been good. I've always had an interest in having autonomy. That's always been a pull. I never took a business class in college and I didn't really have the confidence to do it. But after 10 years in the computer industry, and that was the internet was really starting to take off. And one of my roles at job was developing functionality for Dell.com. So I knew a little bit about internet e-commerce. 
launching products, like kind of, and we looked at what are markets we can go into that are very not as competitive. In the early 2000s, it was five cents a click to advertise on Google for generic terms. And the people that had websites were mom and pops and bulletin board sites. It was, I was used to competing against HP with Dell, and now I'm competing against these mom and pop shops for, you know, air purifiers or air conditioners or water heaters. And to me, it was pretty exciting time. I really just took advantage of the opportunities of the moment. Absolutely. How have you found it? Like, obviously, you've got a team working with you now. You're into the segment itself has evolved from niche into hyper-competitive. Google is mastering the ability to extract money from its advertisers. How have you found that experience both leading a team from niche into competitive but also kind of evolving sales landscape as you try to position your company and own its like share of the market. In terms of leading a team, I've got really good people on our team. That makes it a lot easier. There's no drama. It's just good communication, aligning around what our goals are and having really good people to execute on that. When I was in the Navy, you don't pick your team. It's just like it's you're thrown into a situation and this is your team. Whereas in business, you create positions and then you hire the best fit for that position. And you really just do a lot of communication to make sure we're all on the same page. I think that's the biggest thing. In terms of our space, it has become more competitive. And to me, it's a lot of getting the product right and getting the marketing right and having the right messaging and connecting with the customer, solving their problems and having a more of a unique selling proposition to where they make that emotional connection to you and not only want to purchase your product, but want to talk about your product. To me, that's the fun part of all of this. Yeah, absolutely. What are some challenges you kind of talked about evolving from having to compete with the likes of HP to competing with mom and pops? And then you also talked about evolving as somebody who didn't think that they would be an entrepreneur because they just had a kind of math science background. And now you're running this company and serving customers all over the US. What have been some challenges that you've experienced? What have been some key learnings that have shaped both how you do business, but also how you approach leadership and growing teams? Yeah, I think in challenges, it's I think what's been helpful is being open to change. The days of five cents of Google for a search term are long gone. The advertising mediums change and social media came up and TikTok has recently become really popular. And so it's like AI is now a thing. Who knows exactly where that's going to go? And so I think you have to be flexible and you have to be open to change and you have to be aware of what the environment is and where the opportunities are. It's like the way things are today in the future is going to be different. And I think it's really understanding the marketplace that you're in and identifying where the opportunities are and what you want to execute on. I think, I mean, that's a bit of a generic statement, but it's true. You can't be of the mindset. This is the way we've always done things. And I think you have to be open to taking in ideas from anyone. Like it's not the loudest, the most senior person that has the best ideas. It may come from anyone. I think it's just being open and flexible to feedback and having a mindset of discontinuous improvement. How have you instituted that? Like, obviously, your company is relatively small. It says, you know, 25, 30 employees right now. It could be more or less. What have you put in place to be able to both solicit that feedback 
And then to scale that nimbleness at 25 people, it's relatively easy to be nimble because your departments are relatively small compared to your previous job where you would have had thousands or tens of thousands of people. And so instituting strategy would have been a lot harder and more cumbersome. What do you guys have as a system without giving away any of the secret sauce that helps you have that reactive and open communication with your team? Yeah. I mean, I think it's more of, we use tools like Slack because we have several people that work remotely. We've got about half at our factory and the other half work remotely. And it's different when everyone's in the same building and you can all get together. When you have half your team is spread across the country and making them feel part of a unit is, it goes back to communication. And Slack is a really good tool for that. We do a lot of video and Google Meets, but I think it's having just a culture of accepting feedback and having working with everyone has the right intentions and being open to ideas. And if somebody has an idea, we can talk about it and then maybe explain if it's not a great idea, like what they're missing. But we want to encourage ideas and have people contribute. And it's good for the employee, but it's also good for the company. I mean, everyone wins, I think, in in that sense. If your voice is heard, everyone wants to be heard. You don't want to be kind of silenced or shunned or people respond well to that. It's just managing people and seeing people for the good that they bring and getting clear on what the goals are and where we're going. And yeah, our team is 30, 32 right now, which is pretty small. But as we start manufacturing here in the next couple of months, we're really going to crank up the people. But we want to maintain that culture of inclusiveness and valuing different ideas and different people. And it's the way me and my business partner are wired. And so it's just natural how the organization is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you strike me as a low ego leader that A, you built this product because you saw the need both for yourself and for other people. And in your heart and how you hear it is you're like, hey, I just want to make a good product that helps people if we get it out. Like, let's not make this more complicated than it needs to be. And I think that that is a, a really good trait of a leader, but also like keeping it simple. Like we're changing the world. Yes, but we don't need to have that altruism at the top. Like we're making a product, we're selling it, we're getting it out. Let's just make it good. And when we were talking in the pre-show, they're like, hey, I just want to make a good product that people can access. And there's competitive landscape. We're trying to create good products, create a good niche without being overly complicated. And I think that that's a great recipe for success, especially as the market gets more convoluted, more competitive, louder. You're trying to let your product speak for itself, both in terms of its design, its functionality and its benefits. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, thanks. I would say we're all about low drama. It's just exhausting. We make data-based decisions. We value input from other folks. And like you said, I have like a low ego. I would say I complement that with high competitiveness, which seems a little bit like, I don't know if that's unusual, but like, I want to win. It's not like about me. It's about the company or the team winning. Absolutely. It's important because that's what you have to do. Is that one of your formal company values? No drama? Or is that informal? (laughs) As in, you just bring it up as you go. That's just like how we're wired. I just think life's too short to have crises and self-inflicted like drama. It's like, it's exhausting. And so like, why have it? Yeah, <laughs> no, I get that. I don't know how else to say. <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, I think it speaks to, as we look at the culture of people is the, the culture of the organization, especially small ones are typically driven by the founder, the founder's beliefs, the founder, and in this case, you and your co-founder, what are the behaviors that you want and finding the right people for that? And so critical, especially as you grow in scale, that you're able to maintain that culture, maintain that belief, that low drama, no drama belief, among, of course, other things, 
high quality, high value, et cetera, as you hire and scale people. I will actually take this opportunity to thank our newest partner sponsor, Affinity Staffing, who is a staffing agency here in Vancouver, where is where I live. For all of you listening, if you're looking to elevate your talent, elevate your growth, they can provide some IT services and staffing for you. One of the reasons I thought they'd be a great partner, A, they're friends of mine, so shout out, Daniel. But also, if you're in the U.S., you can take advantage of cost benefits by hiring in Canadian dollars. And I think it's that 33 cents on the dollar. You get discount, getting high quality talent. And as Peter was saying, you guys are a remote distributed staff. That's where a lot of teams are moving. Remote and distributed is not for everybody. But if you're interested, they'll provide a consultation for your staffing needs. So visit them at affinity-staffing slash SME, and they'll uh, hook you up as friends of the podcast. Peter, what's it been like going from you working on this business, growing and scaling and building as a team? Has it been a natural process? Has it been challenging? Explain to me those stages of growth as you've really started to make your mark across Canada and the U.S. To me, it's just natural. You know, when you come from Dell, which is pretty huge to it's you go from a job where it's a narrow scope, but you kind of have pretty big impact and startup essentially and you kind of have to do everything it's not dell and so you don't have all the resources and so for me it's been pretty fun because it's a challenge and i think i naturally have a good sense of all the pieces that need to get done and then like how to execute against doing those in a sense it's a bit different than working for the big company but to me it's more fun because you really control your destiny and you can kind of work on what you want to work on it's getting to me more the autonomy of you get energized by that and it's not work. It just becomes fun. To me, it's like a game competing against other brands or better servicing customers. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, it's just a real life game. Yeah. I got that. That's awesome. I think it's super fun. I'm really excited to see how you do in this game because I think it's a cool product in a niche space. And I also like to win, especially when you're doing that kind of like guerrilla style things. I'm excited for that. Just as we finish up, what are kind of two or three pieces of wisdom that you would share with either a new CEO or CEO who's in your position as you're kind of growing and playing this game of business? What would you recommend to support them as they move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think of it for us, we make a product. And what I've learned my years of doing this is that you have to build marketing into your product because you'll spend so much in advertising. Like if you have product that's, a me too product or it's very accessible there's a lot of chinese factories that make products build catalogs and they shop it around and you can put your name on it to where there's like such a low barrier for entry and what that means is then anyone can get it and so then your advertising is going to be astronomical i think a better way it takes more work and time and energy but is to build marketing into the product and have something that best connects with the customer for your success because you can't advertise your way out of an average product it's a tough way to live and then the second thing is if you're developing a product is it always takes longer and costs more and so it's like we go into it with certain expectations i have to keep learning that one it's like wow this thing is is taking longer than than we really wanted it to and i've talked to enough people where that's pretty much the norm and so i think it's having proper expectations especially if you're building new products or services that it tends to take longer and cost more than kind of what you'd hoped it would. It sounds also like by doing those things, it provides you the grounding to have the business the way you are because you're building the entire value chain and it helps you control more of the things. It's more work on the front end, but a lot easier on the back end, like most things are. 
Awesome, Peter. Where can people get a hold of you? Where can they pick up one of your products and where can they connect if they want to try? Sure. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. It's just Peter Mann, M-A-N-N. And our website is O-R-A-N-S-I, Aransi.com. Awesome. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate you being here. One of the cool things I really love about your product and shares, you're just like, hey, our product is good. It's available for people. <laughs> Understated. And I think it's cool that you've created a company of people who are so product focused. I think the best companies in the world truly have built, designed, and engineered a good product. And just everything I've talked to you, both on the recording and off, uh, speaks to that. So I wish you guys nothing but the most success as you move forward, especially in a time where air quality is crappy and people need the support. Appreciate you being here today. Yeah, thank you so much. Folks, my guest today, Peter Mann, who is the founder and CEO of Aransi. One of the things, again, as I highlighted, is really just being able to focus on the high quality product, being really aware of how you want your company and your people to run and creating a great environment around that. So Peter, thanks again. If you're looking at putting a strategy session together for your people to formalize your vision, your values, and what you want that strategy to be, be sure to reach out to SME Strategy for help and support there. We're booking into November, so call now. And once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for watching. And until next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.